Our scripture reading is going to be from the Gospel of Mark, the 15th chapter. Mark chapter 15, going to begin reading at verse 6 and then reading through verse 15. Mark chapter 15, 6 through verse 15. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him up to be crucified. As far as the reading of God's Word, let's again ask for God's blessing. Father, as we have read your Word, we pray now your blessing upon uh, its teaching and ministry to our hearts in this way as well. Take, uh, Father, this word that your Holy Spirit has breathed into the writers and breathe out that word into our hearts and into our lives today. In Christ's name, amen. So if you have the outline at home, uh, there are three points. First of all, the custom that is being talked about here. Secondly, the alternative that is being proposed, and then thirdly, the cry that just continually comes through that courtyard. The custom, the alternative, and the cry. The custom that we're talking about here is the custom of the Romans. It's not a Jewish custom. It's not a Jewish practice. If we put these verses together, it goes as follows. But Jesus made no further answer So that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner. The he is in reference then to Pilate. That's the practice. That's the custom. Rome had the custom that at the feast, one prisoner was released. Now, just a couple of notes about this fact that it is the Romans. One... It has to be the Romans because it's their jurisdiction. Uh, The Jews have no political entity. The Jews are a religious entity. The Jews are a racial entity as far as a people is concerned. But the national identity is Rome. Rome is in charge. Jesus and Barabbas are both under the jurisdiction of Rome. That's why it has to be the Roman custom now to release. Secondly, 
It's their attempt to celebrate Passover. See, this custom is at the feast. The feast is the Passover. So Rome looked at what the history and had an understanding of what the Passover was about. It's the celebration of the Jewish prisoners being let go out of their bondage, out of their slavery, out of their incarceration in Egypt. So Rome figured one good way to highlight that they got the idea would be they'd take one prisoner and they'd let that prisoner go sort of as a mini example of the exodus, of the celebration of the Passover. It's their attempt to win Jewish favor. It's their attempt to get on the good side with the Jews. See what nice guys we are? We don't crucify everybody. We don't execute everybody. We, we sometimes give you prisoners back. See what big hearts we have. See what wonderful individuals we are in an attempt, at least, to calm down all of the fervor that happens at Passover. Because, you see, it's at these feasts, but particularly at Passover, where a lot of the Jews who are, who are the uh, anti-Roman establishment part, the, the zealots and the insurrectionists and so on. It, it's where they kind of get this national thing. We've got to get rid of Rome. We've got to get rid of Rome. We've got to get rid of Rome. So to settle things down, to sort of keep the peace, one of the things that Rome came up with is giving over a prisoner during this time. That is the custom. And the custom is to release one who is accused, to release one who is in prison. In fact, it would probably be more accurate to say somebody who is actually, by Rome's standards, guilty. So notice in this whole thing, even though Pilate persists about the innocence of Jesus, given the fact that he offered them the choice, he is in effect saying, Jesus is considered by us to be under our jurisdiction and he's considered to be our prisoner. But it's the choice of the Jewish people. This is the way it worked out. Now we don't fully know if, if, it was, if it's always two or if it were three or if it were more and how the crowd picked. Um, whether Rome, it, it would appear that Rome probably selected the candidates. Let's say it's two, as it is in our passage here with Jesus and Barabbas. But they probably offered the two, and then the people get to choose which of the two. So, so Rome chooses who it is, the people get to choose the one of those. That's what's happening. They come to him and say, are you going to give us our choice again this year? Are you going to do the thing you always do by giving us a choice? Secondly, then, note who the alternative is. 
They have in prison a man by the name of Barabbas. He's a criminal. The gospel accounts charge him with a couple of different crimes. Uh, I think it's John who calls him a robber or a thief. Um, it's Mark here who identifies him as one of the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection. So the, the criminal here, okay, the charge is he's there because he committed murder. John is saying, well, he seems to be also involved in some thievery, in robbery, but certainly there is also the agreement he is an insurrectionist. It's interesting because that's exactly what the Jews have accused Jesus of being. In Pilate's mind, he is offering them the choice of two insurrectionists. The one, a known insurrectionist who has committed murder and who is a thief, who's basically a no-good scoundrel, and Jesus, that he can't figure out how they could be charging him with any insurrection. He hasn't seen any evidence of that. So here's somebody who's, there's no evidence at all that he is involved in any insurrection and somebody who is very notoriously an insurrectionist. We don't know much else about Barabbas. Some commentators will take his name apart and uh, actually some attribute that his first name or his given name, personal name, might have also been Jesus and Barabbas is simply his uh, designation, Bar, son of Abbas. Whether or not that's true, there's nothing in the text that would seem here, at least, to lead us to that. Although some commentators take us down that path and some of the other Gospels kind of lead us that, that way as well, that that is a possibility. But what's happening behind the scenes is that the chief priests are stirring the people up. They are somehow working this, right? Verse 11, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. Now Pilate gets it. He knows why they're after Jesus, verse 10. He perceived it was out of envy that they delivered him up. That he's not really an insurrectionist. They, they just don't like his popularity. He gets that. But what is going on in the crowd is the chief priest stirring people up. Getting them to say, we want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Who do you want? Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? Barabbas, we want Barabbas. Which leaves Pilate with a question. Verse 12. Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? 
what to do with Jesus. He still doesn't know. He still doesn't know what to do with Jesus. What do you want me to do with him? What should I do? He's attempting to rid himself of the decision. He's attempting, as he will do in the other Gospels, wash his hands of the whole thing and have nothing to do with it. He's attempting to put off the decision as to what to do with Jesus. Their response, their response is, is pretty mounted, isn't it? Crucify him. Kill him. Put him to death. But not by any means. They are calling for his execution by the most torturous way that was known of the time. I don't really want to get into a lot of details about that, but, but one wonders if there is a more torturous way even today. But that's not the kind of question I really want to debate. They knew it was torture. They knew it was agony. And they knew there was no other way that had been invented for capital punishment that seemed to be more torturous and more time-consuming than this agonizing process of crucifixion. What do I do with Jesus? Give him the most agonizing, the most excruciating, the most elongated means of bringing his life to an end. The hardness, the coldness. This is not about somebody who is not one of them. It's about, as we looked at in the other message today, John 1.11, this is about one of their own. They cringed when Rome did this. They were filled with anger when Rome crucified. They hated Rome because of that cross. They despised that cross. And yet, when the question is, what do I do with Jesus? The response to Pilate's question is, crucify him. Crucify him. As we go back to our text, Pilate in verse 14 says, Why? What evil has he done? What evil? Interesting that, that now the question is not what crime. That, that's not Pilate's question. Pilate's question is, what evil has he done? There's no crime. There's no criminal intent. I can't find any of that. I can't charge this man with, with any known crime on the books. Where, 
Why do you want to crucify somebody that has committed no crime? No, his question is even deeper than that. What evil, what evil thing has this man done? Besides, did he commit a crime? I can't even find any evil in this man. I can't even find that there's a, a morsel of anger, a morsel of envy, a morsel of revenge in this man. There is no moral failure in him. And that, once again, my friends, is a reminder to us of the purity of Christ. That the standing government of the day, the standing empire of the day, the standing authority of the day, found no evil. In Jesus Christ. He suffered. So our creed says. Under Pontius Pilate. Why? To remind us. To remind us. That Pilate knows his innocence. He know he has committed no crime. He knows there is not even any evil. And yet, under that authority, he suffers. Under that authority, he pays the price of his life. I came, Mark chapter 10, 45, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Why is his life a ransom? Because it is a perfect, sinless, holy life. And that life offered for you and I pays for our sin. But the shouting continues. Crucify him all the more. The picture is this is ongoing. This is ongoing. They're shouting all the more. Crucify him. It doesn't just mean louder. It means continually. It doesn't cease. It's not like a continuous chant, chant, chant. It just goes on and on and on and on. Some here, some there. You never get away from it. It goes on. People's mouths, not just crucify them once, no, but over and over and over and over again. The deafening noise. Verse 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, He knows Jesus' innocence. You, you read the other gospel accounts about this, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And they, they, There's no doubt that, that Pilate understands 
the innocence of Jesus. Ah, but it's just one guy. It's just one guy. I know I'm going against justice. I know I'm going against that which is normally done. I, I know this, this subverts the law and everything. But you know, I got all these people over here shouting. They're all saying, crucify him. If I don't do what they want, oh, what do the other gospels say? If you don't get rid of this man, you're no friend of Caesar. In other words, word's going to get back, Pilate. You already are on kind of tippy ground back in Rome. Word gets out about this one, <laughs> they're going to have your position. In other words, maybe the, the chief priest already holding up uh, the letter he's going to start writing. Pilate did it again. Pilate's causing problems. Pilate's causing uproar. Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd. Released for them Barabbas. But then these words. And having scourged Jesus. Don't read over those words quickly. Pause slowly on them. And understand what those words mean. Understand. What Pilate just ordered to be done. Many of you probably have notes down at the bottom of your, your page, if you have a study Bible, that talk about this instrument. The instrument is a short wooden handled thing with several strips of leather, pieces of lead, brass, bone, sharpened on the end. The means was they would take the prisoner, have him hold on to a pole and bend him over. In other words, tie his hands to a pole so he cannot move, so that his back is fully exposed. There would be a Roman soldier each with one of these whips on either side of Jesus. And they alternate. One. One on the other side. Back and forth. Back and forth. The Jews had a limit. Forty. But they never did forty. They always did thirty-nine in case they had miscounted. Rome has no limit. Do you know what the limit for Rome's Scourging was the prisoner had to still be alive and breathing. That was Rome's limit. As long as the prisoner is alive and as long as the prisoner still is breathing enough that he can walk to his cross. They could continue it as long as they wanted. The result, the back is bleeding. These pieces would dig in far enough to cut veins and arteries. Blood would cover the victim's entire back. 
Sometimes they involved beating them, not only on their backs, but their back portion, the back of their legs. Historical reports say that sometimes these would go so deep you could see the inner organs. See, don't read it too quickly. And having scourged Jesus. What did that passage in Isaiah chapter 53 say again? We go back to 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We have the prospect of the glorious hope of eternal life because Jesus was scourged. See, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. It's all part of that obedience of Christ. It's all part of that love of Christ for you and I and having scourged Jesus. See, that's why we say in that creed, and he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Why suffered? Because he was innocent. And yet, Pilate had him scourged. And he delivered him to be crucified. That means he gave the order. That means he signed the document. That means Pilate said, go off and kill him. Execute him by means of crucifixion. When you're done with the scourging, have him walk to the place we execute the prisoners and fulfill the execution order by means of crucifixion. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. And yet, he goes. A few years ago when we were in this time of year and in this season, I remember we sang and spoke about uh, he could have called 10,000 angels. Just think. The first whip could have called 10,000 angels. He could have halted that first blow. He could have halted the second or the third or the fourth. He could have halted the procession as they begin to drag him to the cross. He could have called. Do you not know? He told his disciples in Gethsemane. I could call 12 legions of angels that have come to do the Father's will. But in doing the Father's will, this is not how I got to do what Dad tells me to do. He lays down his life 
willingly. He told us that. No one takes my life from me. I willingly lay down my life. Why? Oh, how he loves you and me. Every word, every injustice, every moment of suffering, every blow of the scourging, every blow of the hammer that is coming. Oh, how he loves you and me. As we face this week, as we face the next days, we face those days knowing this is how much He loves you and I. Let's pray. Father, we again thank You for Your Word. We pray, Father, that as we continue in the Gospel of Mark over the next several weeks, that, Lord, uh, we will see more and more the great love of Christ for us, that which He suffered, that which He paid. May it be a reminder to us of the seriousness of sin. We're never to take it lightly. For every small sin, every little sin, as we sometimes think about them, is a blow. It's a blow. Our sin, Father, cost greatly. But how we thank you for the gift of the love of Jesus Christ for us. How deep is your love for us in and through Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.